0: This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria.
1: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, good morning, Heidi, from California. My gosh, it's uh, the first uh, week in March. The, the March winds are blowing here in the city. How are you doing there?
2: Yeah, it's still cold here, but we're glad that February's over. That's always a good thing in New York, to have that behind us.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, we think about kind of moving into, into April. It's not a lot going on in March, They're Pretty quiet in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, not really. There really isn't. It's kind of You're kind of getting ready for spring other than and kind of saying goodbye to winter, which is, like I said, always good.
1: And I hope some of our folks maybe uh, we've recommended before that they try one of those lights, right? Because uh, these can be some pretty lightless, uh, not too much sun, right? Somebody was telling yeah, us those about it. lights
2: are actually amazing. Yeah. You, can, you can sit under them for like 20 minutes a day, and it really does change the way you feel. Because, you know, a lot of people have stuff where you get more down when there's not enough light, and they have seasonal affective disorders, and it does really, really help, especially after you've had a loss. I mean, it's difficult enough not to get light, but then when you've had a death in your life, it makes it that much harder. I think during dark times. So yeah, yeah. they they help a lot.
1: I I had a friend, uh, you know, I was doing some traveling, and he was telling me that um, he got his light off of Amazon and uh, and used it. He does it for jet lag. So anyway, well, oh, how do you...
2: I didn't even know that you could do it for jet lag.
1: Yeah. I didn't either, but he was telling me it was great. So um, we've got a great guest today, Heidi, and somebody that I know you know, and she was one of your students at Columbia, which is very cool. And by the way, she also writes for the Open to Hope Foundation, has written a wonderful article that will be out in our new book, which will be out this spring. So we're excited about that. I think that's her first knowing that we're going to ask her if she'll have her article in her book. I actually
2: emailed her and told her because – we're, the person we're having on is Nicole Olson, and yes, Mom, on Thanksgiving Day, I read Nicole's article that we're including in our new book, and I was so moved. I was crying, and it was all about her husband running the New York Marathon in honor of their daughter, Skye, and it was, it was such a beautiful story. So I emailed her that night and said, oh, my gosh, I just read this incredible story about your, son, your, your husband and you and running on behalf of your daughter. It was an amazing story. So it will be in our book, so everybody can read it.
1: And you know, she's when it comes out. Yeah, she's founder and executive director of the Sky Foundation, and it was started in memory of her first uh, born daughter Sky. And uh, I believe Sky. She started the foundation in two thousand and five. And Nicole's spoken at audiences internationally, and she's also produced a video, which I'm really going to be interested in hearing about infant mortality from the Afri- African American perspective. Well. Um, uh, Nicole, I want to and, welcome and like you on you the said, show. you yeah. said,
2: Mom, initially I met Nicole as a student, and then we've become friends since then. She was a grad student of mine at Columbia, and now we're friends, and I'm very excited to have her on today. Absolutely. Welcome, Nicole.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you, Heidi. I'm really excited about being on the show.
1: It's great having you on. We're going to talk today about grieving uh, loss, not only of Sky, but also about um, some health issues that you've had uh, as you know as time has gone on. Because I know a lot of our grieving people out there. You know, life goes on. Heidi and I were talking about it this morning, and uh, and you have different health issues that come up, even though you're in grief, your your life kind of moves along, doesn't it, Heidi? Well,
2: I certainly am no uh, stranger to health issues. I myself have had cancer many, many times, and it's been pretty serious, and in the midst of all that, I had my own infertility and miscarriages, so yeah, it's, and and, you know, I don't know what comes first, the cart or the horse, I don't know if the health issues came first or my infertility or if it all kind of, or the miscarriages, or it was all kind of mixed up together, Um, because you know, your immune system is kind of compromised when you're grieving, et cetera. Yeah. So.
1: yeah, you never know. Well, let's start out by Nicole. I want to talk a little bit before we get into to the health issues about about Sky. Tell us about Sky and tell us about your uh, organization that you founded.
3: Well, yes, Gloria. Sky, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking yesterday, just reflecting. Uh, Sky, I'd gone through, like you, Heidi, had gone through uh Infertility Challenges, and I Mm -hmm. remember uh, that I became pregnant with Skye in August of 2004, and I was was furiously and diligently crossing off days in the calendar, you know, to my due date on uh, April 30th, 2005. Well, you know, the pregnancy was like a textbook pregnancy, to quote my uh, OBGYN, and he said, you know, you're you're kind of on autopilot now. It's like three days before delivery. And mm-hmm. on my due date, i just I felt like oh this this must be it. It was my first time going through a full full term pregnancy and so I called my sister and we rushed to the hospital and Paul met from his job and as soon as we got to the hospital, I found out that this uh, guy no longer had a heartbeat mm. so wow. it some of the, it was just um, dev- absolutely devastating. Um, Cause we left and it sounds like me. you had
2: no idea. It was an easy pregnancy, and you probably were just thinking about getting
3: everything ready and having her room ready and all that, right? Exactly. I had no idea. I mean, th- just leaving the house. I remember the bag. I remember looking, uh, taking a last look at the nursery that had been done for about two or three months. You know, mm-hmm. the bag that had been packed for six weeks. And getting to the hospital and everything, you're expecting it to be the best day of your life, and it is the absolute worst day within five minutes of arrival.
2: Wow. Wow. Incredible.
3: And did they have any
2: idea what happened, Nicole?
3: They did. Uh, They told us that it was due to a placental abruption where the baby Mm. separates from the placenta prematurely and um, is not able to have any of the nutrients or oxygen that it needs. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, and so then hours later, you know, I, my first thing was, okay, do you mean I really still have to go ahead and deliver and, and do all the mm-hmm. things that I would have done had Sky uh, had a better outcome? And, and the answer is yes, and that just seems almost wow. cruel and unusual to have to go through labor and there's really, you don't feel the, the same I always thought, you know, there's nothing on the other side of this rainbow or nothing on on the other side that I was really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So hours later, uh, as I wrote in the article for uh, Open to Hope, there was this macabre new reality that, you know, Sky had been born still. And it was just, instead of all the things that I'd imagined happening when she was born, like, you know, the cries, the, you know, the congratulations, and it was just a really eerie silence and this mm. intense sadness shock uh-huh, uh-huh. wow wow
2: and then and, and, and did you uh-huh. hold her after she was
3: born or what did you see her i did see her heidi i uh mm-hmm. i held her immediately after i remember the doctor giving passing her to me and i was just really i was just kind of overwhelmed with <laughs> just how my life had just our life had changed drastically mm-hmm. in a couple of hours uh, right. So a couple of, I think about an hour or two later, they, the nurses brought her in. I had a chance to hold her. Paul held her. Um, my mom was there, a few other family members, a close friend. And we took some pictures. Um, you know, it was just, it, it seemed, it just seemed surreal. It was... Well, well you it was, know what's we weird? You that. were, you were, you had become
2: parents, and then you had become bereaved parents. Yes. Which seems... Yes strange to me all at the same time.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I, exactly. And you're starting to make decisions just like parents and you really, I, I can only speak for myself, but I don't think you're in the frame of mind to really make certain decisions because you're getting hit with okay, so do you want to have, um, do you want to see her, do you not want to see her, do you want to do this, do you want to not do that? And it's it's questions that you, you prepare for everything else. We've gone to like classes for breathing and you know, birthing classes and all that, but you don't prepare for how to, to react if things don't go the way you planned.
1: And, and so you, plan, you, go, you went on to, um, moving on a little bit, to start a foundation, the Sky Foundation, and and I was looking at your website, and you talk about uh, some of the causes of placental abruption. Uh, and there, are, were you feeling now that there were things you could have done or
3: did? Right, I... I have thought about that many times, and I'm at the place where I know I don't feel that there was anything that I could have done. Uh, I did everything that I thought I possibly could. I mean, just I was juicing. I was walking. I gained the right amount of weight. I wasn't in a car mm-hmm. accident. Um, I wasn't smoking. So there was – I don't think that there was anything I could have done to prevent it. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, my mind always goes back to – I remember her kicking the day before – you know, one might always say, why didn't I just go in and just have, why wasn't I induced the day before?
1: Right. But yeah. there's
3: no way I would have known that yeah. there was a need right. to do that. The
1: the what ifs. Yeah, yeah. So, right. but you kind of... Well, kinda, and it is interesting
2: yeah. how you kind of go back and replay stuff. Cause I remember with my two miscarriages, I was like, was it that Diet Coke? Did I do something wrong? I mean, was I, you know, you, you kind of replay, like, could I have prevented it? How did my body let me down kind of thing? Why did this happen? And it sounds like, you know, and sometimes things just happen, and and we do everything on our end the right way, and it still happens.
1: You know, um, I run a Compassionate Friends group, and um, we find that as people move along in the grieving process, at some point it becomes irrelevant how they died. Uh, at first, it's very relevant, but then later on, it's like, it doesn't matter. They're not here.
3: And and I think, Gloria, to your point, five years out, a little over five years out, I've I'm saying to myself, I did the best that I could have done at the time. Absolutely. Particularly in the beginning, I found that I was constantly replaying the events like you, Heidi, just going back and, well, maybe I should have done this. What did I eat wrong? Did I sweep something? Did I do this? I mean, what what did I do?
1: Right, exactly. And I think it's
3: because with the loss, pregnancy loss, uh, it just violates the natural order of things. Just like you said, you know, Heidi... You're becoming parents and bereaved parents at the same time. That's just not really mm-hmm. what you expect to happen. Well, it's
2: interesting because here you are making the, big, the, the first major decisions you've ever made with your daughter in the world, and it's what kind of a coffin to pick out, where to bury her. I mean, those aren't the first decisions you would think you'd be making or that you'd even have to make as a parent.
1: Now, now talk a little bit as as we move on to uh, the stress. And I know you've had some health problems, and you were saying that you're you're not sure. And Heidi was saying the same thing. Um, talk about grieving and having health problems too. When you don't feel well, does that get you back into it more, or is there you know? Are, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: I do have some thoughts on that. Uh, you know, grief. Well, first of all, uh, just to kind of give you um, to give you an audience, just how I was feeling with the grief. I mean. Yes, we did start a foundation a couple of months later. But I mean, I was in—I was in a really bad place. Um, it was intense sadness. I was socially isolated. Uh, I had just really—I I really, for a while, I feel like I, I just checked out. Um, and the sadness—I mean, it was holidays, it was birthdays, it was the anniversaries, and this continued for—I would say maybe a year and a half or two years. I mean, I was—I was functional, but just barely. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you know, I found that when I was diagnosed with cancer in 2008, uh, that brought up all of the things that came back uh, with Sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the intense sadness, all the emotions, because now I was grieving the loss of my health as I knew it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I can't, and I, as I mentioned to you both before the show, you know, I cannot, of course, totally attribute it to Sky's death but I can say with some sense of certainty that it was that her the grieving process after her death certainly didn't help.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: My immune system was certainly, I'm sure, compromised. I mean, I, it was it was rough.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think this fits in a little bit to what I was talking about earlier. Is eventually it doesn't matter why it happened you just you know it's just happened and because I think some of our audience out there and some people you know uh, with the idea of cancer and stress and all that kind of thing, get the feeling that they had some hand in it <laughs> or you know something like that and you know things just happen the way they happen and, and sometimes you just have to surrender to that idea and not not be hard on yourself, wouldn't you say?
3: I, I do think so. They do happen the way they happen. and it's interesting. Uh, I found that I was a little more open to uh, what happened with Sky than I was with, uh, when I was diagnosed with cancer. It's coming to some level of acceptance when I was diagnosed with cancer.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, acceptance of her loss? Yes. Talk about that a little bit.
3: Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's because Sky was a part of me uh, because I actually gave birth to her and then perhaps in my finding acceptance with sky my life 's work was emer- uh, emerged from that, and uh, you know the mission and the vision of the Sky Foundation emerged from that and maybe because I was able to roll up my sleeves and actually put my hands to the plow, so to speak, mm-hmm. with the cancer i didn 't really know what to do with it mm-hmm. i couldn 't find so you- a place for it, but I was not sure how to do that I did not want to you know, to this day, I mean, I say to myself, you know, I mean, I I, I saw people in, in the treatment center and, you know, they kind of had their friends with them and as a support group and everything. I just, I was like angry lady in mm-hmm. the um, in the waiting room. I was just really, really angry. I just could not find a way to channel it.
1: Hmm. Now, how's that going with you now? Are you finding a way to channel it now? Have you had any breakthroughs on that?
3: I have. Uh, I have had uh, some breakthroughs. Um, one of them being that I, I'd like to write a book
1: ah, uh, about
3: the experience, particularly for people who kind of feel the same way I did. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Well, you're a great Which writer. I think there's we a lot of to...
3: people out there that feel the same way you do.
1: Well, what are you doing with the Sky Foundation now? Are you basically taking care of yourself for a while, and then you're going to do more with it? And tell us about your infant uh, mortality from the African perspective uh, video you did.
3: Uh, right now I am taking some time to take care of myself. Uh, however, I... Uh, was able to um, have the opportunity to launch a uh, perinatal bereavement support group for teens Mm. in Harlem. And it was a partnership with the Sky Foundation and the Northern Manhattan Perinatal Partnership. Uh, So that was um, really a unique um, group for teens who have experienced pregnancy loss. And also in collaboration with the Complicated Grief Treatment Project at Columbia University School of Social Work, uh, the film that we did, it was in 2006, I became really very, very fascinated, if, if I can say it that way, because of my own uh, journey back to healing and to find restoration uh, with outcomes of women who have had the same experience, uh, experiences with infant death, particularly those who were disproportionately affected by pregnancy loss. Of meaning African-American women. Mm-hmm. I also did interview a Latina woman. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked, I looked at uh, people who have experienced infant death, and we talked about their experiences after that, uh, the things that were said, the things that were done in the hospital, uh, how they were treated. I had one woman who was 14 at the time who had a stillborn wow. uh, baby, and the, as she was trying to write a funeral program. How she had the wherewithal to do that, I don't know. But she was writing a funeral program for her baby, trying to memorialize her baby. And the nurse said to her, "You know, why are you doing that? That's stupid. Your baby's dead." Mm. And she said, Mm. "Nicole, it was at that moment that I began to resent mankind."
1: Mm. Now, how would How does that
3: play out in a person's life?
1: How would you? People get a hold of your video? Can they get a hold of it? Or
3: we are working on the finishing touches. That you know, in between that time, Gloria and Heidi, uh, between 2006 and now, it was. Cancer and then having a, a second child and and some other wow. things that so we're working on uh, completing and carrying your second child process. to term yeah your, your second
2: yes.
3: child's
1: how old nicole She's three uh, um, great, great. <laughs> well listen um we 're going to have to end the show now, but thank you so much for being on and uh tell people they can go online and the sky foundation it's s k y e and uh what is the the web um
3: site for it. It's org.
1: Great. Well, Nicole, thanks so much for being on the show and and good luck on your journey. And uh, we are so happy that uh, you're writing for the foundation and, and we hope that your health will continue to improve. And we would look forward to having you do a book, wouldn't we, Hyde?
2: Absolutely. Nicole is one of my favorite people in the whole world. I'm not just saying that. I sincerely mean it. She is an angel on this earth, and I appreciate so much. And I appreciate you and everything that
3: you're doing for the world, Nicole.
2: Thank you so much.
3: Heidi, I, I feel the same way about you, and thank you, both of you, too, for the opportunity to be on the show. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you. Well, Heidi, that was an interesting show, wasn't it? Uh, Nicole's a great person. Obviously, I'd love to meet her. Great writer. She is. And, uh, like I
2: said, she's doing a lot, and her her video sounds fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah. And now she's got this, you know, uh, challenge ahead of her with her uh, health and, and a 3-year-old, and wow, she's uh, I'm sure she's up to it, though, from what you've told me about her.
2: She she 100% is up to it. This was an A-plus student that I had no idea had any health challenges until she told me. I would have never known. She is an amazing person.
1: Uh, wonderful uh, example of what you can go on to do and how you can help in the world. Well, we hope you've been listening to the Open to Hope show, and we'll look forward to hearing from you again next week. And also, we hope that you'll visit our website and tell other people about it. Um, We've got some wonderful writers on there, including Nicole, and also visit us on Facebook.
0: You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.